Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, the word is out. They're gonna talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Tom and Joe know all there is to know From masterpieces to deep fried tacos And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say There's no telling where the guys will take you Get ready for a spoiler Won't say it twice cause we already warned you Better watch out, it's gonna ruin the plot Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, normally. Uh, it's episode 764, Killers of the Flower Moon. I didn't get a chance to think up a fake title for this one, so my That's my apologies. I, I'll have to call it by the right name. <laughs> I mean, I thought, I thought Killers of the Flower Moon Night was pretty good, given his love for Marvel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he does love his comic book movies. He does. I, I feel mean, if there's one thing we know. I feel pretty confident Martin Scorsese has, has no idea who Moon Knight is. <laughs> I bet you his favorite comic book movie is probably like that Captain America TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's weird how much Martin Scorsese seems to hate comic book movies because I always feel like comic book movies are the Western's of this generation and he loves oh, westerns enough. right yeah. but most most westerns were awful like were just <laughs> bad they were just cheap lazy easy things to produce that were wildly popular and you know and there are some exceptions of within the genre of westerns that are phenomenal all-time classic films but I was most just of them this the other day i was saying awful. the same thing like he can't pretend that all westerns were True Grit or Magnificent Seven or Searchers. Like, right? It's the same thing. Like, there's really, really good comic book movies, just like there were right. really, really good westerns, and then there's a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah and the, yeah, and then there's Hopalong Cassidy, you know, yeah. and which had a place, but yeah, like if you if you go back and look at like the TV lineup in the fifties. I mean, it's like 60% Westerns. It's insane how many Westerns were made. Yeah. 
the whole thing, and we're of course just being silly. I don't care if he likes Marvel movies or not. I'm so no, sick of that I, whole discourse. But here's the thing: we at some point, internet culture got so obsessed with defending their own opinion or attacking other people's opinions that like they took major offense and at the end of the day it's like dude the guy has earned a right to say whatever he wants about movies and if you don't agree with him instead of like fighting about it and getting mad just be like okay he's got a different opinion like it doesn't matter yeah yeah it's not affecting the production of comic book of comic book movies so you're gonna be okay yeah oh yeah he might not direct a marvel movie you know (laughs) (laughs) Now in my head, I'm trying to be like, oh, what would I want him to direct? Like that I would be- almost asked that question on Twitter yesterday because I was going to say, and then, and then of course, I decided why would I even want to tweet? It's a terrible idea from the start. But I was going right. to say, like, preface it with, I did not ask for the answer. He shouldn't. I did not ask for, Mar- you know, whatever. Like, he shouldn't waste his time. No, no, no. If he were going to, what would be the character best suited to him? And then I decided, I'm not going to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. That's probably for the best. <laughs> so uh, before yeah. we dig into the movie, uh, we should go around the virtual table because I am traveling. That's why we're doing this remotely. And we can introduce himself- ourselves. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Super simple. No Joe this week. We might or might not have a guest joining us. Uh, there might have been some time zone snafus since the three of us would be in three different time zones. So, <laughs> yeah. um, And since I have to check out of a hotel and then catch a plane... We uh we couldn't wait. So before we dig into it. the movie, this is real spoilers. <laughs> it's not like it's the clip out. It's real spoilers. <laughs> right, so like that's true. Yeah, yeah, like if it was the clip out, things would oh, be moved. Things yes, would shift, reschedule, come home tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> We've got budgets for all that. So. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into the movie, uh, shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us. While you're there, be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode. Maybe leave us a review. Super helpful. Greatly appreciated. Also, uh, don't forget, <coughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. It's called the League of Show Shares because we're hoping you will share an episode. Uh, people who were kind enough to share an episode over the last two weeks, Kevin, uh, include <laughs> <laughs> Librarian Cynthia, Brendan McGuckin, Julianne Jordan, Glenn Cougar, Mellon Brewer, Tom Dowdy, Chris Magic Man, Richard Kratzer, uh, Chris Valls, Gabriel Lugo, Phil Timon, Heather Sachs, dis- dissect that film, Taylor Ward, Brent Smith, Ralph Tribble, Travis T. Witt, Jason Weesey, Tammy Lynn Powers, Betts, Matt Gonzalez, Matt Neglia, David Rojas, Spoiler Piece Theater, Mike Mike and Oscar, Invasion of the Remake, Colby Mack, Batman Rye Guy, Geek to Me Radio, Ronnie Castle, In Session Film, Binge Movies, Feel and Film, and Ryan Terry. So thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. And also don't forget we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and we like you extra. So there's all that. Let's uh let's dig in. I'm really uh, bummed that we don't have Joe this week since he, he's really good at synopsizing the films and he's uh, a police officer, so <laughs> he'd be great. This is like Wonder Twin Powers Activate. He's like just recapping a crime for right? three and a half hours. <laughs> and he also loves crime mysteries. What is the true crime stories and all that yeah. stuff? 
Yeah, he loves that stuff. He's watched every episode. Like I've only watched a couple and listened to the the first serial, or I've listened to the first two. But you know, I don't catch up with those things as much. And so I haven't read the book, and I also didn't know anything about the story. So I found this film fascinating. I will say, of course, he's getting guff for it being three and a half hours long or a little longer than three and a half hours, but especially not knowing the story, I found myself captivated by the entire thing. It felt long. I felt the time, but it never felt boring to me. It's a lot of story, right? Like you you could easily make this movie longer if you wanted to. So, um, mm-hmm. And I have read the book. I read it a few years back, so it's not necessarily top of mind, but I have read it. And I honestly, and I don't say this very often, I think the movie might be better. So the the movie switches some things up. So the the book is really more from the POV of the FBI agent or the BOI agent, because the FBI doesn't technically exist yet, that they send in Jesse Plemons' character. And, um, and it's also a little bit more of a murder mystery in terms of like, What's going on? Who's doing all this? Who's behind all this? Where I don't feel like this movie ever plays like a mystery. Like you no. always know what who's behind it. And I was a little confused by that too. And that's why I, I don't think this movie's perfect. I do not think it's a masterpiece, as a lot of people are saying. I think that word gets thrown around. And I think whenever someone like Scorsese makes a movie, people automatically think they have to say masterpiece. I, I think it's a very good movie. But uh, I do think that it it feels like it doesn't necessarily have a solid voice and doesn't necessarily like if it wants to be a murder mystery, there's not much mystery going on. So it's just I don't know. There, it's not perfect to me, but it is very solid. Yeah, I think it's very good. I liked it. I I, I liked it a lot. I I don't think it's necessarily a perfect. It's like. It's not I wouldn't call it middle tier Scorsese, but I'd call it like lower upper tier. Yeah. Scorsese. I think this is a solid yeah. B. I think it's a B, which yeah. is a very good rating for, for a film. I and he, and I would say a Scorsese B Scorsese not just B, a rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if it's all relative like we know, and he has <laughs> Right. So um, but but yeah, like I don't think it's intended to be a mystery because I like I actually went back and and stumbled upon the trailer, and if you watch the trailer, like it's very obvious that who the villain is in the movie, and I can't imagine at this point in his career, Scorsese g- gets to do what he wants to do. So if if he wanted that to be a secret, it would not be in the trailer, right? Like he would put a stop to that because he gets what he wants so um and and i do feel that if it were a mystery though the film from a narrative standpoint might play out a little better i wish there were i wish there were a little bit more mystery and then sometimes they would flash back and show you the people doing stuff and you're like i don't need that like if you were going to cut time like i totally understand who did what like it was obvious to me and they pretty much told you who was doing what so that's the part where i'm like either make it a mystery or don't but i don't need to spend so much time with you explaining who did it it's like i get it yeah i think um you know he might be trying to like when having read the book like I, there are so many 
characters to keep track of. Like, I think he's really yeah. trying to hold your hand through a pretty complex narrative mm-hmm. and a pretty complex mystery, even though he's not making it a mystery. Like, or I, sh- I shouldn't say mystery, a pretty complex conspiracy. There are a lot of moving yeah. parts in this conspiracy. There are, it, which is part of why it works so well. Also, the fact that uh, everybody was racist and they didn't care, but. Right. But like there are things that like we know now that they didn't necessarily know till years later, like when the one uh the one person he hired to, to kill someone gets shot while robbing a store, like people didn't find out till years later that like, well, he tipped off the owner, right? Like that's not just a, a quirk of the a, a little cute narrative device to make this guy seem even worse. Like he really did that. Like this from everything I can read um, and we all know that I am an exhaustive historian. Um, <laughs> but from everything I can read, like this story seems pretty um, non-fictionalized. Like they don't think they took a lot of liberties with what actually happened. And the story's so bad, crazy that you don't need to. Like it's yeah, Looney no. Tunes. I so again this movie kept my attention and i didn't know anything about the story i found it fascinating and obviously deeply tragic that this happened to the osage nations people and i i found myself wanting to learn more because i'm like okay this is such a fascinating story i can't believe this happened didn't know anything about it and i went back and i watched like little pbs docu-series things youtube videos i watched probably an hour and a half two hours of people talking about the history and this movie is so accurate i think he did a great service to the people and telling their story because he really did not embellish too many of the details it's like the things that they were saying they were telling in the documentaries for sure yeah and so i guess we should start like the movie opens i think it's 1918 and uh um and leonardo dicaprio's character ernest is coming to town and he just getting back Ernest. from, I guess, fighting. Ernest? Yes. <laughs> if only Robert De Niro was playing Vern. Um, uh, but uh, he's coming back from, I guess, having fought in World War One and uh, looking for work. And he ends up working for his uncle in Oklahoma on the Osage Nation. Uh, and we should say, like, I don't. If the movie said this, I don't remember, but like how small and how few Osage there were at this point, right? There, there were I think 2000... just around like two twenty two hundred and twenty nine yeah. Osage. I think existed at this point, and um, they had um, been moved by the federal government to just really, really substandard land, and uh, all, all the Osage were were given like pretty large parcels of basically worthless land but the osage nation had uh was able to negotiate to keep the mineral rights for the land for the osage nation itself and so because and so the government said yes not because they were kind but because they thought well that's dumb there's nothing on this land and then it turned out wrap this up yeah right and so uh so it turned out that there was oil on that land and then um and so this, I think this happened in the late 1800s, and then, and then of course, the automobile industry starts to explode, and oil is worth more than it ever had been, and so all the Osage Nation now has the mineral rights to 
a very, very, very large oil field. And I, the one story I, uh, article I saw said that in 1923, they produced 30, like $33 million worth of oil, which in today's money would be like half a billion dollars. And mm-hmm. all of that money would then be divided amongst the Osage Nation. So you're talking 2,200 people were dividing half a billion dollars annually (laughs) so it was uh, it's crazy to think about the the way that all played out and the way that the town operated and how they the the osage nations spent their money on cars and nice clothes and all that and they had white servants i i had no idea about any of that and so i just found that dynamic super interesting and again heartbreaking and tragic the way that of course people came in and would take advantage of it and ultimately end to the demise of these people or you know not totally but a a lot of them and uh, horrible yeah i mean you always hear these stories about like lottery winners that win money and they just don't know how to handle their wealth and it ends up getting squandered and they get taken advantage of well here you have basically an entire community that won the lottery for lack of a better term and and then the the vultures come in right and so yeah. and then you start seeing things where the you know the government would uh declare a lot of the indians incompetent so they had to have conservators appointed to to quote unquote protect them from their own decision so they would have and and conservator you can just you know just hear white guy and uh and then they would need permission from a white guy in order to spend their money and then this white guy would charge a fee because he's performing a service and then he would end up siphoning off good chunks of their money in fees or a lot of times they would end up uh bequeathing the conservator, the the money. Do I need to believe the, that? Yeah, <laughs> bequeathing the <laughs> conservator the head, the, what they called head rights, and uh, to the oil, and then they would they would die, right? And um, and, and, and that happened that too, a lot. Be- before that, when, in the documentaries that I was watching, they would <clears throat> steal it. They would just up and steal it. They mm-hmm. would negotiate. Things would be, and you see it in the film with the caskets. There would be an Osage price, and there'd be a white man price. And so, because they had so much money, they would charge them more for everything. And so, essentially, they would negotiate deals where they would get kickbacks. A car, a coat, a hat would be five times more, and then the conservator gets half of that. And it, it, it's just a big scam to take their money very much so very very much so and i will say one of my complaints about this movie just from a historical aspect is that i think it's really easy for the average person to walk out of this movie and think oh william hale's a bad dude and thank god we caught him not really getting the scope of this that like william hale robert de niro's character was doing had created the largest conspiracy and most sophisticatedly malicious conspiracy to kill off Indians in order to to steal their money. But he was in no way, shape or form the only person doing it. Right. Like they're like hundreds of Indians died prematurely during this time frame. Um, And hundreds like, look, hundreds of people being killed is is a lot but it's even more when you see when you recognize that there were only 
2,200 Osage Indians at this point in time, right? So, yeah. you know, you're talking and, 10, 15, 20% of them were killed off for their money. Like, that's right. insane. And I and, think, you know, at the toward the end of the film, you, when you see the room full of all the white men making decisions and they're going to try to convince Ernest what to do as far as flipping on them for the FBI and all that toward the end of the movie, you see everyone that's involved. You see the, Molly's conservator. You see the yeah. doctors. You see the bankers. You see everybody in the town, the casket guy. It doesn't matter. And so that just really shows you they were all in on it. and. Of course, all the people that came into work were, as you see throughout the film, committing crimes and, and being hired to kill them and, and steal from them and rob them. And so, yeah, it, it, they were all taking advantage of these people. Yeah, and like, and the white people at that time, I mean, they barely considered Indians human beings, right? Like, they, you know, a lot of them didn't. Like, there is a, a, a famous line, I forget who said it, and I don't even remember if it pops up in the movie, but where, where someone in the, it, while this was going on was quoted as saying like well the real controversy is deciding whether or not to charge them with murder or cruelty to animals right like that's mm. that's how little people thought of of indians at that point in time and then you had a law enforcement community that had absolutely no will desire or incentive to even classify these things as murder let alone investigate them and like that was probably hale's biggest mistake is that the murder started to really look like murders and even and yes the local authorities would ignore it but at this point in time the FBI doesn't exist, right? It's it's brand spanking new. Um, it's still called the I heard Bureau this was their of first case. If it's not their first, it's one of them. It's like they were they were a very new organization. They were still called the Bureau of Investigation. They were headed up by J. Edgar Hoover at this point, and he was very much looking for a high profile case to justify their existence and that's this is part of why like that classic g-men look of like they're always in suits and ties right like that is um that was codified during this period because j edgar hoover was like we need to project an era uh, uh, an aura of professionalism and so they didn't have uniforms per se so he was like we are going to look like business professionals so like it was ordered that every every FBI agent or BOI agent would wear a suit and tie which is why they dressed like that um, and due to this day right and so um, like they were they were desperately trying to prove that they exist. In fact, this is not the first time the story has been adapted for film. In 1959, there's a Jimmy Stewart movie called The FBI Story, which tells the the history of the FBI through a very pro-law enforcement lens, right? And uh, But this, this story, a very uh, encapsulized version of this story, is told in that film because this is really kind – this is the origin of the FBI, yeah, I, and, and again, I thought it was so interesting that all this happened, and I can't believe I hadn't heard about it. I can't believe this isn't something that isn't taught in schools, or maybe they didn't have as much information but, but until more recently. No, it's, and when, 
it's will no this this was not a secret thing right i mean like in 1959 you're getting a major motion picture about it it was there was a tv show called the g minute it was a radio show and it was like the third episode of that show like this is this this was a huge national news story right the not only the murders but the wealth of the osage so like there is nothing about this story that was like an anecdote or a footnote except for the fact that over time we turned it into one right and yeah. and you have states today trying to pass laws in Oklahoma they just passed a law saying that you can't teach history that might make somebody feel bad right and it's like it it's also funny that it's coming from conservatives who are the first people to wear t-shirts that say Fuck your feelings right and but right. like we can't make people feel bad about things that actually occurred and also also there's a lot of alsos here keep in mind that this is geographically right next to Tulsa, which is where you had Black Wall Street, where they the white people went in and slaughtered all the black people who were starting to amass wealth. And, you know, you have racism take on this kind of uh, snake eating its own tail circular logic to it, where it's like racists will look at black people or Indians and say, look how poor they are. They're poor because they're not smart. And and that's proof which then justifies me looking down on them and it all feeds on itself, right? And and uh but but here are people like yes, these money was robbed from these Indians, money was robbed from these black people on top of the murders, but also keep in mind the generational wealth that was stolen, right? The wealth that could have been amassed and passed on Right there's all this talk these days about nepo babies. Think of all the the black Wall Street nepo babies that never got to exist. Think of all the Osage Indian nepo babies that never right. got to exist. You know, and and and, the and culture, then the, the and down. and their culture for sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then racists will turn around and say, "Oh, look, they're they squander their money. They they're poor. They can't amass any wealth. It's because they're not as smart as as white people are, quote unquote." And and it's like, but every time they the, we have non-white groups start start to amass that kind of wealth, we would enact a system that would systematically rob them of it and yeah. then look and- down on them for having been robbed. And, and and then now, stop teaching ourselves that we rob them of their money. Right. And that's the <laughs> whole thing that gets into the politics. You've got a lot of people now online saying that Martin Scorsese is getting political and that he's taken a bad turn by getting political about it. And it's like, this is the history of what happened. There's no politics if yeah. you're just presenting the facts of what yeah. happened and and i'm sorry if your politics are trying to cover up the facts of history but if, he's not if political if, <laughs> if you think being anti-murdering people for their money is political then your politics <laughs> suck like right hard stop hard stop like, like they were murdering people and not just people but like women and children they were murdering children oh, for their money yeah. sometimes people were murdering their own children they would they would you know men would marry an indian woman and then and then kill her but they would have had children in the meantime well the the, uh, the rights would go to the children so they have to kill the children 
like that Kelsey like, Morrison at the end of the yeah. toward the end of the movie when he's right. goes to the banker or the insurance conservator whoever that was and and he says so if they if these two kids were to die and I were to adopt them then I would get their money and, and the guy's like so what you're telling me is that if you were to adopt these kids and kill them would you get the money he's like well you're going to do that he's like well not if i don't get the money that's what i'm asking yeah and, yeah and, but it's like it's terrible but those are the things that i mean this and the movie scene is like out. yeah like in the scene like it almost plays for laughs because it's like it's so over the top ludicrous what the guy is saying that and and how matter-of-factly he's presenting it right he's and playing it straight and, yeah and yeah, and it's like it's it's almost hard not to laugh because it's just so it's so insane that someone would think like that and and also have the balls to say it out loud like they came up with a good idea it, and well, it's and that happened a lot like their property it it, it it's exactly yeah. what you were saying they said these things and they did these things because they literally thought so little of this human life that they were like oh this makes sense financially why wouldn't I do this. Yeah, it's it's it, I mean it is crazy what went on in this time and and uh and just how much like I said just how much by today's standards probably billions of dollars were robbed from these people and now this land the oil's gone and there's no there there are still headrights and there are there are there is some modicum of oil being produced there but by and large the low hanging fruit has been acquired and there's not really any true value in the same way that there was in the 1920s. And I should also say in 1925, they actually passed a law that said head rights could only be inherited by someone who was at least uh, 50% native American because, because Mm -hmm. of all the, like that's, that is how pervasive, like if, if anyone's trying to position this, or thinking that this was an isolated incident or a handful of isolated incidents, they could not be more mistaken. Like it was so bad. The federal government stepped in and like passed a law to make it. So, so basically, so white people couldn't inherit this, these head rights because of the frequency of Indian deaths and white people getting the money. They stole. They essentially stole most of their wealth. Killed off enough of them where they're, you know, they didn't have as many kids and grandkids as they could have to expand. And and you know, they obviously there still are some surviving descendants, but not that many, and certainly not as many as could have flourished had things not been not gone this way. So it's awful. Yeah, this story's not as far in the past as people might think. Leonardo DiCaprio's character in real life doesn't die until 1986. Like, like yeah. that's not that long ago. And and William Hale, who uh, the Robert De Niro character, uh, he lived to be 87. So I mean, yeah, he died in 1962, but that's not that long ago if you think about it. And yeah. what it also shows you is look at these white men doing their terrible things. I'm not. They were white, so again, it's not political. And I'm white. I'm not trying to be anti-white, yeah. but the fact you is, can't, people committing these you crimes, can't, you can't disentangle race from this, right? You had right. you had white people going onto Indian land and concocting a conspiracy to steal their money, and then using the laws of codified racism to to make it easier. Like 
you you can't remove race from the equation. You you definitely need to specify who's white and who's Indian in, right. as this progresses because it is crucial to the story. Yeah, and again, there's nothing political about it. These are facts. They the yeah. the people, the villains of the story, so to speak, the bad guys are the white men who came in and stealed and murdered and did all these terrible atrocities. So, um, but William Hale lived to be 87. And look at this. You look at Ernest, you look at his brother, you look at Uncle William Hale. They lived to be into their 80s, almost 90 years old. And then the Osage Nations people were dying in their 20s, their 30s. Like 50 was uh, seeming to be an old age by the average deaths um, during all this happening for the Osage Nations. So it's it's terrible when you look at that and then look at these guys that got away with this and 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 their freedom that they were still able to keep to some aspect Right. Yeah, like he didn't spend his life in prison. Like he got out. Ernest got out. Now he ends up going back to jail. I don't think the movie says this. He goes back to jail for going and stealing from Indians again. Like he goes mm-hmm. back and robs from his sister-in-law and ends up getting sent back to prison. Um, it's Yeah, he got out I and mean, had to go back for like 20 more years. Like a lot. You know, yeah. He was lucky enough to escape all this after. Yeah. Yeah. And I will also say something, an interesting footnote that the movie didn't include, which I think because it probably would have felt fake, right? But William Hale and one of the other guys get sent to Leavenworth, and the the brand new warden of Leavenworth is Thomas White. Isn't that his name, Tom White? The the FBI agent played by Jesse Plemons. Like, and so, <laughs> yeah, like, right. they yeah. end up going going to jail and the warden is the guy who led the investigation (laughs) that captured them like if you ended the movie on that it's a little too cute like you'd be like oh like you know right (laughs) like like you would not believe that yeah that's crazy and then yeah i saw that he he was injured they uh people tried to escape and he got shot and like he survived it but i think he lost the use of one of his arms during that yeah and, um but yeah it is it is crazy but so like basically the story uh just to go back to the plot of the film is that yeah Ernest basically i mean he conspires with his brother who uh, is it byron i think and uh william hale played by robert de niro and they conspire to pick off these native americans one by one and the thing there's a couple things I don't like about the Ernest character, the way he's portrayed, because he's not a good person. He's doing awful things. He's robbing. He's helping with the murders and all this. But I feel like the movie does try to almost present him as quasi sympathetic and that, oh, but he kind of did the right thing in the end. But he's not a good person by any means. And I just don't like that it even kind of presents it like he's your you know he's one of the heroes of the story or, or one of the maybe good guys that was in a bad I, situation i don't know i didn't really take him as a good guy i took him as someone his character's pretty nuanced and he's a he's very conflicted i feel like like at the end of the day he's making the wrong choices absolutely but at least the way it's portrayed on screen he seems conflicted and it and he does seem to have oddly enough love for this woman as 
Yeah. He's killing her family her fa- and right. poisoning her. Like I, I did, in, at least the way the movie played it, I don't feel like initially he realized he was poisoning her. Like I think he thought he was taking care of her with the insulin shots. Like she's diabetic, and and there and insulin is very new. And William Hale gets medicine for her, and it turns out that they're putting poison in in the medicine and. We should also say that, and I don't know if the movie makes it super clear, but like William Hale was very frequently getting medical assistance for various Indians, which is also part of what makes him so insidious is that on one hand is if you didn't have access to money and and were an Indian, he did a lot of good things. Right. Like he like he was very much about donating money to Indians, helping them get health care and, and medical assistance when they needed it. He did all these positive things, but he was doing them so they wouldn't suspect him of this other thing. Right. right? It was a con. It was a long con yeah. is, is what yeah. he did. So, yeah, it, it looked like and that's why they called him King was his nickname. He was basically the right. king of this town, which was ran by and you know the wealthy people were all the osage nations but he was called king and people looked up to him and acted like he was a friend and he learned to speak their language and you would see him communicating with them in a very family-esque way but uh he was terrible and i just i just have a little bit of a problem where i think the movie presents Ernest, the leonardo dicaprio character as a character that maybe is dumb and doesn't realize what he's doing but he also says and the history the documentaries all check out and everything that he loved to spend the money and he would rob people and obviously when he got out of jail he robbed people and he did a lot of terrible things so i don't necessarily think he was too dumb to know i think that he was a pretty bad person and i just think the movie tries to give you an out by saying well he was being manipulated which i mean sure the King seemed like a manipulative character. Surely he was orchestrating this, but I don't know. It just seemed like the way that he would go from dinner with his wife and his family to then going and holding people up and and committing these crimes and then obviously knew his sister-in-laws were being killed off and everything. Like To allow that to happen, and he knew his uncle and brother were orchestrating this, and he was helping get bombs to blow them up and to do all this stuff like He's a bad person. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And no matter he, what he he's does, absolutely, he's not redeemed. You know, I don't. I don't really know that the movie's saying that. To be perfectly honest, like yeah. I think that the movie's showing you who he is and what he did, and he did do those things, right? Like he did. He like he he did have positive interactions with his family, and and like mm. like that. That's part of what makes it so insidious, right? That that. While he was doing this one nice thing, he was doing these other just off the charts awful things. On top of it, and I don't think the I can't remember if the movie explains this or not, but like the night of the the explosion where he where he blows up his uh, sister in law's house, um, his kids were supposed to go over there that night. And the only reason they didn't was because the son had an ear infection and they ended up at the last minute not going there. But they were going to be there. And so, um, uh, so like, I I don't think – I didn't interpret it as we were supposed to, like, feel bad for this guy as much as almost the banality of evil, 
right? That it's like yeah. someone who's evil isn't necessarily evil in every waking moment in every sing- singular action that they take. That there's going to be times when they look normal or even nice. I also wonder if some of that is just baggage that Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor brings to the role. You know, I was I was just gonna say I think maybe one of the disservices they do, and I know they want a movie star because they plaster him front and center on all the movie posters. Sure, but when you hire Leonardo DiCaprio and he plays it as someone who's sympathetic, like like I do feel that the way again the language of cinema, the way that they're presenting the story, I interpret it like they show so many of these good qualities, and then it's like he has this kind of heroic, I'm gonna turn on you, and I'm I'm gonna do this. Like there's a big ending moment where he does the right thing after doing so many terrible things and it just it just reads like but yeah that's great and at least you didn't do another bad thing but you're awful and you're not sympathetic and you ruined your life and many others so i just i it read weird. i think it but even when he finally turns states evidence it's and testifies yeah. against hale it's still weird because he agrees to do it and then he walks it back and and re- recants, and then he unrecants eventually. And and he did that in real life. People that were involved still never understood what made him testify. You know, and and yeah. there's a quote from Hale late in his life that was like, "If if Ernest had kept his dumb mouth shut, we'd all be rich." Which I think is one true, and also something to keep in mind when you see some families perhaps who've been rich for generations that like somewhere in that backstory there could very well be some very ugly choices that were made that cemented their wealth it doesn't make them smarter it makes them oftentimes more willing to have done some pretty ugly things yeah you know and when people talk about white privilege like that's one of the things that they're referring to right like we we all benefit from that as to some degree like even indirectly, even if we didn't play a direct role in the decision making, like we still live in a world where the the land structure was set up to benefit us in a way it wasn't set up to benefit other people. I say us specifically, like you and me, Kevin, because we're both right. white guys. You know, well, and look and, at what's going on with the rest of the world, and now people are being killed for the way that they look, and they're in completely different parts of the world, and and they're being stabbed and murdered, and it's like we don't walk down the street thinking that might happen to us, right? Yeah, it's for sure. uh, horrible, though. You know, so yeah, I when people don't like that word or don't think that white privilege is a real thing, it's like, what world do you exist in? It, it, I yeah. mean, we absolutely do have privilege, and uh, it, it's so just, it's like saying we have an oxygen privilege. It's like, well, you don't realize the privilege of oxygen until it's removed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's a good point. It, it's just weird when people again try to make that like it's political or something, but. Look at all the people losing their lives and are being targeted and harassed and, and, and again, injured, killed, whatever, because of the way they look. And they may have nothing to do with what people think they do. And it's it's horrible. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily – you and I don't get a second glance. It's just, well, you're not one of the people that believes in whatever or does whatever. You know, they we're not even thought of in that way, right? And that's the privilege. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Absolutely. But yeah. – but, but yeah, so so the story, I mean, yeah, it just goes through them, the three of them, and, and enlisting people, their co-conspirators, people in the town. So Molly is the woman that Ernest ends up marrying, and it is all but an arranged marriage by King. I mean, he sets them up. He's like, oh, you should, you know, she'll 
she will get she has these rights once her her mother's sickly and one of her sisters just died and of you know they're gonna share all this wealth and uh she's she's single and and uh so he kind of sets that up and the movie does present it in a way where he really does care about her like it is odd because of all the things that he's doing but from all accounts, it does sound like in the history that he was loving to her while he's doing this. And yeah, it's a strange thing because I don't necessarily think it's wrong the way it's presented. But it's like, from what I know, he did love her and care for her and take care of her. And all, all the way up into the fact that when all this started to get unraveled and discovered by the Bureau of Investigation, she didn't believe he could do these things to her and her family right. because she loved him and believed he loved her and, and all that. Well, when she's getting sicker and sicker as she takes this insulin, I mean, what does she say? She turns to Ernest and she's like, only you can give me this medicine. Right. You make sure you get it directly off the train. Like She's like, as long as I remove all variables from the equation except Ernest, I'm going to be okay and nothing could be further from the truth yeah and it's heartbreaking when we again because the there's really no mystery we see how everything's playing out and he kisses her goodbye and then goes to find hire someone to kill her sisters like we know everything that he's doing and while her family keeps dying off and she's entrusting him like that it is heartbreaking and so tragic as she trusts him with her life and her family's lives and i have to say i think one of the best performances in the entire film is lily gladstone who plays molly she is phenomenal yeah. in this film i i without, would agree a lot no she you know, says it, a lot people, without without saying a lot <laughs> Exactly, which is masterful. That is a skill and and something that is very hard to do. And, you know, of course, you've got your detractors who are now looking at word count and stuff like that. That's so stupid and so silly because there's been actors all throughout the histories of the Oscar who have said very little and then obviously some that have said speeches and a lot but it, it varies wildly and she again says so much with her facial expression her eyes she's one of those actors who's really talented in that way and i i just i think her performance is so subtle and understated in a good way because there are some performances in this film that are very big and i don't mean that dicaprio's I, DiCaprio's I, is very big, and he makes I, this weird face where he looks like he's impersonating Sling. Yeah, it looks like he's impersonating yeah. Sling Blade. Like I, I think don't he's really... trying to look related to De Niro and do you know kind yeah. of yeah do the like the scowl that De Niro does. I think that was his way of oh well, this is my uncle, so in the bloodline. Um, yeah. I agree. I as good of an actor as DiCaprio is, this is maybe one of my least favorite roles of his, and. It's weird because he's a good actor, but I just think sure. he played this too cartoony. There was something it exaggerated. gets a little, it gets a little hammy down the stretch. Yeah. Like it doesn't start that way, but the more the tension ratchets up, the like the weirder choices he makes. But he shows up actor. on that. He shows up on that train looking like Robin Williams and Popeye. Like he, <laughs> right from the beginning, he's looking around like. Yeah, it just he 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 is acting with a capital A, and it just I I didn't like it. And and some people are saying De Niro's cartoony, but I think DiCaprio's way more cartoony than I did. You know, I think the I don't think De Niro's cartoony in this at all. I think what was came across as weird is like because you don't normally hear him talk with that accent. The only time I ever remember him talking with that accent is his Max Katie and 
and mm. Cape Fear. Cape Fear. And so yeah. when he when he starts talking like that, like I'm instantly like Cape Fear. Right, like yeah. it was hard not to go straight to. When Cape he does Fear. the like, oh my boy, like he just like he gets that twanginess to him or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 so I think it's just weird, and I also like Cape Fear is a great movie, but I also don't know how many younger people have seen Cape Fear, which is a I shame. Love Cape because, Fear, the remake of Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah, like it's so good, and it's just it's just a fun, like, tense Hollywood thriller. Like it's there's it's a, it's it's one of the most it's maybe the most accessible Scorsese movie right like it's just it's yeah. just a fun tense Hollywood potboiler and right. and uh I and, think next to Wolf of Wall Street speaking of Leonardo DiCaprio movies I think Wolf of Wall Street is almost one of the most mainstream as it gets Scorsese wise I think Goodfellas is very mainstream even though it's also still it very is. art house it's it's, it's somehow yeah. it manages to do both um but uh, Wolf of and, Wall Street to me is like an uh, entertaining comedy blockbuster. Like that seems such a mainstream movie to me. Yeah, no, I, I get I, that. I I bring that up too because there there are some people that think Scorsese only makes boring movies, which I don't think long yeah. equates boring. I certainly no. don't agree with that. But then there's I'm some goofball, and what you got to realize is they let anyone open up a Twitter account if you got a dollar, <laughs> I guess these days, and you can just say anything. So sometimes we get really like taken aback by what people say, and it's like anyone can literally type or record a video of them saying anything so like yeah it's a it's a bad take but but someone's saying like oh watching the scorsese movies like going to the dmv you have to do it every once in a while it's important but then you're just it's tedious and it's like and they used wolf of wall street as the example <laughs> that is one of the most high energy entertaining scorsese movies ever like yeah i just thought it was yeah crazy. no i I agree wholeheartedly like that. Like there's a lot of uh, Scorsese movies that are just a blast, like Cape yeah. Fear and uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. I, is yeah. Like it, yeah. not one, not one of his better movies. I don't think, I don't know that he's ever truly made a bad movie, but, uh, but like color of money, so. Co- yeah. color of money is definitely lesser, but, um, but that's King a higher comedy? King of Com- like King of comedy is such a dark bleak comedy that i get why someone might react negatively to it even though i love it but after hours it doesn't get much more zany and comedic yeah that is a funny movie so i think a lot of people that say this it just shows like they haven't watched all of scorsese's filmography because they don't know he made after hours and that movie is one of my favorites it's a blast it's hilarious yeah Uh, Yeah, if you're starting yeah if you're starting your scorsese journey with silence then yeah you're gonna be bored and then but, you never yeah. watched another one and you go he yeah. just makes boring movies it's like that's that's I, one of his slower movies or or last temptation of christ is a slower moving movie yeah, it's got Kundun, weird stuff in it but it's yeah, yeah so it's like yeah. but he makes really entertaining and really funny movies it's yeah they can be much, like I, well yeah. i mean goodfellas has a lot of comedy and a very dark yeah. comedy but i mean people it's still quoted to this day they, am i a clown yeah. do i amuse you or yeah. You know the scene where they're showing the his uh, Joe, Joe Pesci's mother the painting, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, and he's like, you know, like that's or when they're burying the body, and he's like, oh, I got a chicken wing. Like there's there's a there's a lot there are a lot of funny moments in Scorsese movies sometimes. Oh, I was gonna say something else while we're on it that I think Scorsese does yeah. differently in this movie than he has from his other for lack of a better term crime capers i hate to refer to this mm-hmm. as a caper but caper, it's not a ca- yeah. it's not a caper right and right. i think that's one of the big differences is that 
you know, if you watch a lot of his crime movies, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, Casino. there's a casino. There's a chunk of that movie where like crime's kind of fun, right? It's kind of cool. And, right. it, you know, and it's like, you know, that opening scene as far back as I can remember, I was wanted to be a gangster and him strolling through that nightclub like a to, big. Yeah, make it. It's. Uh, Flashy it, and, and desirable. It glamorizes it. There's no other. And now, yeah. by the end of that movie, all of the glamour has been stripped from it, and yes. and that's purposeful, right? Like he's like, yes, there is right. this very showy, glamorous aspect of it, and if it wasn't there, people wouldn't be drawn to it, right? Like heroin, right, like Scarface. Like in the yeah, end, like, it has to yeah, fall like apart. heroin must feel great, or people wouldn't do it. Right. Like it's, you know, and, right. and so you it where it takes you is awful. But if it didn't feel good at the beginning, no one would no one would go down that road. This movie doesn't do that. Right. This movie at no point is the crime ever fun or glamorized. No. It's it's always bleak. And, and it's also fascinating that there is violence in this movie. It's very quick. It's very like there's flashes of it. It's not super gory. Like it's like where some of his other movies, I think, linger on the yeah. the violence in a way that this one doesn't. It's there because it has to be because it's a story about violence. And you if you tell a story about violence without violence, you're minimizing it. But if you tell a story about violence with too much violence right now, you made John Wick. And what what are you doing? You know, in a story like this, this. is very respectful. Yeah, very respectful to the participants. And it. It does not glamorize it, like you said. It's it's very difficult to watch because we are given a seat at the table with King and his family orchestrating all this, so it's very hard to watch. And you know that these innocent people are being murdered and their lives are being stolen and, and their money and, and families and generational everything is being taken away from them. So as we watch this happen, it's very difficult and sad to watch. And then also with molly when it when it points to her and and how she's getting sicker and sicker she's being poisoned and again trusting Ernest, it's it's really hard to watch and um but, but yeah really respectful when it comes to the violence and everything it, it, as much as you can be in telling a horrible story like this for sure yeah i um i know that the osage like he went to the osage people and like met with them and worked with them because he wanted to you know tell the story as accurately and respectfully as possible. I know some of them now are like, they're not lambasting the movie. I actually thought they had a, I, I really appreciated their nuanced take. Like they're like, they wish the movie had had more aspects of Indian culture in the, in it, but they also recognize, at least from the article I read, they also seem to recognize that, that like, that wasn't the story that he was making at the same time. And that perhaps, making it more mainstream will get this story to the people who need to hear it the most. Where if he made a That's movie that was all balance. about... Yeah. Like, if he yeah. made a movie that was just all about Indians, Indians would go see it, but the rest of America probably wouldn't. This is the problem we have time and time again when you just... When you can't... I'm not, I'm not saying this is them, the Osage people. I'm not using sure. them specifically. But in general, this is the problem you have when someone goes... Oh, I wish that it would have been this actor. Oh, I wish it would have been this director. Well, then the movie wouldn't get seen, unfortunately. Right. I mean, that's just the, yeah. like this movie is reaching this. This movie is set to almost tie the Taylor Swift movie in 
Taylor's second week in release. That's huge to do to get people in theaters to watch an adult film about historical events. And this movie is going to get seen because it's got Scorsese. It's got uh, DiCaprio front and center, big on the poster. You got De Niro back there. That's just how it is. And I, I know one of the complaints and this was, movie was, oh, I wish it this movie yeah. was two hundred million dollars to make. Like, the, like yeah. this movie does not get two hundred million dollars without De Niro, DiCaprio, Scorsese. Like this, yes. and, and then producing and I, it. It's yeah, yeah. Because I also looking at this movie, I'm like, how was this movie two hundred million dollars? Like this movie did not need to be two hundred million dollars. COVID. Like, I mean, it has to be like location and COVID troubles. Yeah, you know. Because uh, I just but, I but, don't I don't see two hundred million dollars on the screen. Sorry. No, I, I, I don't think it's a particularly great-looking movie. I'm sorry. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I don't necessarily think it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's just one of the puzzles, but I don't think it looks that great. Fascinating story. Never looked at my watch to, like, check, you know, on board or anything like that. But sometimes, you know, we talk about cinematography. We talked about Greg Fraser, who did The the Creator, and obviously Dune and Rogue One and all those, uh, and, you know, and Deacons and Cundy and all these cinematographers. We talk about the amazing pictures that we're seeing on the big screen and while this movie was interesting i i didn't ever really look at it and go oh that shot was gorgeous it's just not a great looking movie like that yeah you know it's it hard to say because it's like what they're filming is so dreary and and dirty like they're not yeah. you know what i mean like it's it's just a dusty sure. kind of gross yeah ta- town you know yeah and you don't want to ties it yeah totally totally i'm not so again i'm not necessarily critiquing it that hard because of that but it's just i hear do hear some people saying oh this movie looked beautiful and this and that but like the movie hell or high water i don't know who the cinematographer was for that and i know it's a more modern western but like that movie had some gorgeous shots in it right and there's terrible subject matter and robberies and crimes being committed or whatever but like i can tell you that was a good looking movie and so i don't know just to me the the look of the film i think it fit i think it fit the time period like they did a good job for the story they were telling um but it did not seem as cinematic i think that's the only word i can use and it's weird to say about a scorsese film that again i did like but it didn't feel as cinematic as some of his movies that are big and cinematic and it just but yeah. it's a different story right for sure. Uh, but yeah, so the family's getting killed off. It you know, and obviously we're skipping over a lot of the little details. It's a long movie, but um her For sister sure. a- Anna is killed off who is the mother's favorite. The mother is she's up there in age and she is sick um and i don't think they show in the movie but the documentary said that it was believed she was being poisoned uh to be killed off so um the you know and she's hallucinating much like molly will later in the film but anna's her favorite and she's a partier she's a drinker she's been divorced and she's just out there partying it up so like that's the first big murder in this family we've we've heard of other ones from people in the town but uh anna's killed uh, her body's found in a creek and she's been shot in the head where she's you know hardly identifiable where it's just gruesome and and everything and we see later that this was you know hale and the brother byron <clears throat> brother byron took her there and then hired the guy we talked about who was like if i adopt the kids can i get the money and all that he was the one that we end up finding in testimony that he took her out there and just shot her right in the back of the head and then so now one of the daughter's sisters died of cons- was it consumption was the sickness or s- she was wasting away with some kind of illness, yeah. but, but she died. Then there was the murder of Anna. And then, uh, the other one was blown up in the house. Right. So yeah. that was bill. 
you have this character Bill Smith, another white man who was married to. Yeah, he seems to be having his own murder conspiracy going on, right? Because he's married to a sister who dies and then turns around and marries another sister, right? (laughs) Right, like it's very convenient. But but it also makes you question, too, that like if you're – if this is your family and then they're with you during this hard time, I could see like – comforting each other because like who else are you gonna turn to so i think they leave it kind of questionable like is he because he yeah. um confronts dicaprio he confronts Ernest, and it's very much like but what do you you, you know? yeah but you could also read that is like hey you're horning in on my thing right like it's but i don't know like, but, but that's but that's but also this is told from the perspective of Ernest and king hale and he right hale is the one going that's your money Ernest." and and bill yeah. is trying to take what's rightfully yours he's convincing him who is also the pov of the story mainly and so i think that's hale's spin on it i don't i but i'm not saying bill was honest and a great guy but we don't see that we never see bill's pov it's just Ernest and it's hale just, and all them i will just say in this age of this time frame of white yeah. people marrying Indians to get their oil rights that he ended up married to two, but two, he's the one sure. guy that was genuinely in love with her, with both of those women. It, it seems highly unlikely, perhaps not enough to convict him in a court of law, but I'm definitely giving him side eye. Sure. But, but he did try to investigate all these murders. And if he was doing anything nefarious, I would think he would maybe not want to uncover so many of these details. Like he, right. He's they, they need to kill him off. And of course the other sister getting more of her shares, but they, they do need to take him out because one of the major plot points is that he is doing his own investigation. And he's like, I know the details. He, he says he knows who the killer is and he will, unveil it at the right time which would lead to hale and byron and all that so um you know it i don't know to me it's we don't get a lot of his side but i am led to believe that he is a better person than these other guys that that's at least from you know all things he's, relative he's certainly killing fewer people if he's killing yes, he, people at all if, he, if yes. any he's so, killing fewer yeah. for sure uh so 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 they end up uh Ernest is tasked with basically finding people to kill this family and Ernest again they paint him as, as a dummy and he keeps screwing it up he goes and he hires these people who are not very capable and one of them is uh Henry Henry Roan played by William Below who is is really good I think in this role too he is Hale's neighbor like longtime neighbor 20 30 years and he's very friendly with him but Hale ends up taking an insurance policy out on him like a month or two before he wants to get him killed and he wants the he wants Henry's murder to look like a suicide because Henry is suicidal he is melancholy as they say and he's tried to kill himself before and come to find out he was actually married to Molly Ernest's wife and you know the main sister we follow uh when the, you know in, in a ritual when they were 20 or in their teens very young and they had been since divorced but there's this kind of like weird tension and he's sad because he's not with her and now she's with the white people and that kind of follows throughout the film but long story yeah short, like this whole Ernest, thing has disrupted his life right like it's the yeah. this injection of white people in the osage culture has completely derailed the trajectory of his life i also think it's fascinating that like there's this this sequence where uh, Hale has to keep prevent him from killing himself because <clears throat> he took out an insurance policy on him. But if he kills himself too soon, suicide would void the policy. So he's got to keep him alive for a certain amount of time and then 
it, he can die by suicide. Yeah, exactly. It's very. I mean, you see how terrible of a person Hale was. He was like a super villain. He was his yeah. planning of decades of of this plan and and taking these people out systematically is horrible. But yeah, so so he wants it to look like a suicide when the time's right. And Ernest goes and he finds a guy who's like working in the oil fields or whatnot or mining or something. And uh, he he basically tells him like I need to find someone that can do this. And he's like I don't know where this guy is, whatever. And so he's like you do it. And so he hires this guy who I think is really good. There's a lot of really good character actors in this movie. I don't. I didn't recognize the actor, but I thought he was really good in the role. And, uh, you know, he had like this really distinct feature. I think he had a fake eye or at least he did in the movie. I don't know. He, he just had a look about him and he was really good in this role, but, uh, he reluctantly decides to do it cause he's going to get money out of it. And, uh, he befriends Henry and because he starts to be friends with this guy, he can't bear to kill him from the front and make it look like he shot himself like a suicide. So he shoots him in the back of the head, which clearly is a murder. And so he screws that one up. And then or, uh, Hale gets really mad and he and Byron take him to like, I don't know, the stone cutters or whatever. And, and he hits him with a paddle and, you know, cause he screwed that whole thing up. Yeah. Um, and, and then he finds the guy that's going to uh, <laughs> blow him up. There's this guy that is known for, uh, blowing blowing up safes and getting into them and stuff and so he's kind of connected with the guy that kills henry and he eventually finds him and hires him to to blow up bill and uh I, rita rita maybe rita. yeah okay good bill bill and rita's house so uh he takes them out and eventually they do find him and he plants the dynamite blows the house up so that takes care of another sister and at this point i think it is just molly and she has one other sister right um, There's one that's still re- alive, isn't there? I thought at that point it was just her because then the mom dies, and then and yeah. then that's where we get the scene of one of my favorite scenes, where as the plan is starting to unravel, Hale goes to Ernest and is like, "Well, just to be safe, you should probably sign over your head oh. rights to me." In the event that something happens to you, and now all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, right. now I'm oh, oh, like this is not like it all consolidates yeah. to me, and then they take me out, right?" And so, yeah, I, yeah, the the realization yeah, on I, his face is great. Yeah, the the way that again, I I really think De Niro did a good job in this movie, and he's such a snake because this character was this this guy was so terrible and i think de niro does a really good job of that i'm your friend i'm your uncle i'm your you know i'm just one of the family and and uh he portrays that really well and always has a smile on his face and um another thing that i really like is that de niro doesn't go too big in this movie uh i don't think it's cartoony but he never gets big so when they're in the jail cell i think it would be really easy for a lesser director and a lesser actor as soon as dicaprio goes i'm gonna testify and I'm going to do all this stuff for him to get well you're this is going to mean the end of your life and blah 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 and you're making a huge mistake you don't know who you've messed with and Hale is basically like now come on now son you don't want to do that yeah. because you know like the it's, way it's not threatening it's it, it it's logical right like he's like hey here's yeah. what you're setting into motion like you know is that really the road you want to go down yeah like it's yeah any kind yeah. of and, and he does threaten him but like it's that it's that 
underhanded like like now we it's like the, i don't not saying he says this but it's that like now we wouldn't want anyone to get hurt here it's that kind of threatening right where he basically yeah. is saying like your life is going to be over and they're not going to help you it's lies they're going to put you in jail as soon as you turn state's evidence or what not that he says that but you know so to speak and I mean, yeah uh, he's basically him, he's like, like you yeah, basically, he's like, you can't trust the federal government. Why would you trust the government? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. 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 I'm sure there are many conversations going exactly. on like that. So, right so, <laughs> so I, I, I like his performance in that regard. So, uh, basically, what happens is that uh, Molly is on her deathbed. Her mother sees an owl before she dies. And I like how it flips from you think it's like a totally spiritual thing. And I'm not saying it isn't spiritual, but knowing that she was supposedly poisoned and then Molly's getting poisoned, it's more of a hallucination than a a spiritual thing. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. She saw the same owl because I took it. She was being poisoned the same way. Uh, So, no, I think that's a fair, that's a fair take. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was interesting how they did that. You think one thing and it's kind of a switch, but she's on her deathbed. She's basically about to die. She looks terrible. She's sick. Uh, but they, someone finds her while Ernest is out doing all these terrible things and this is going down. They find her. She goes to a hospital and uh, the doctor realizes that she's been getting poisoned. And, and so she's on the road to recovery. And this is meanwhile what's happening is they're doing the whole uh jesse plemons shows up which i'm like two hours into the movie i'm like is it jesse plemons in this movie <laughs> so yeah it took a long where... time yeah it's like and it's quite the flip from the book because in the book like he's like the main character the guy so so he comes to town and he starts to investigate once the murders become clearly their murders and then the federal government gets involved sends him and the other agents one guy does infiltrate who says he has family that has blood relations with the osage nations so he infiltrates and kind of goes undercover i like that aspect of it and they're all working together to interrogate people and to figure out what's going on and they have them all dead to rights they've they've gotten enough evidence where they they know that the that Hale and his family are committing these crimes, but they go to DiCaprio and they're like, you know, testify against him because we know what's going on here. And the only way you're going to be with your family is to, you know, is to take down Hale, who is clearly the kingpin and orchestrating all this. And at first he's going to, and it gets right up until trial. And I'm sorry to say the other problem I had was Brendan Fraser's performance. I think it was that was like from a whole other movie. I don't know if that's how that lawyer was in real life, but that was weird. (laughs) It it was weird, right? And the way it was filmed was weird that it felt like, I mean, I get trying to be claustrophobic, but it it just, it looked weird because the the scene starts and then he just instantly is like yelling at the top of his lungs. And it's like, he was like doing a... (laughs) Yeah, and and I like Brandon Fraser, and I think he gave an excellent performance in The Whale, and you know you could just see the hurt in his eyes. I think that was a personal story and character for him. The guy is a good actor, clearly talented, and can do great stuff. But I think his performance here was way over the top, way too like stage actory, like just I'm angry, so I'm yelling and this and that. So I don't know. You got people going. You know, people are dumb if they don't get it. He's amazing in this movie, but I did not care for his performance in this. Yeah, agreed. It was it was it was a little weird. But anyway, so they get right to court, and essentially what essentially what he's saying once uh, Ernest comes to 
<laughs> it sounds like an Ernest movie. Ernest goes to court. <laughs> once, <laughs> once, er, once Ernest is about to go to jail, he goes to trial and he's going to testify against Hale. And Brendan Fraser's character, the lawyer, is like, that is my client. I haven't had time. Now, I'm not yelling, but imagine him yelling. <laughs> I haven't had time to talk to my client and confer with him. And then everyone's looking around. John Lithgow is another lawyer on the other side, which I didn't recognize him at first, but I heard his voice. I'm like, oh, what, John Lithgow's in this. And he's like, this is this is against the rules. Like, this is crazy. What is going on here? Conflict of interest. And uh, he's just yelling and saying, I need to talk to him or whatever. And they And then Ernest is looking around, and he's still... I think Hale is still in his head and he's like, I don't know if I can trust the FBI. Maybe this guy will help me and we'll all live happily ever after. And so he basically says like, yeah, I'd like to hear him out. And that's when we get that scene where the whole town, all the white men are surrounding him, the bankers, the doctors, the everybody is there, including this lawyer who does some more yelling. And uh, <laughs> they basically tell him like, yeah, the FBI, they, Again, this is again where he's like, "You're dumb. You don't understand." But they're going to screw you over, and we're your only family, and you don't want to do this to poor, poor King, who's going to would die in jail and old age and all this stuff. And they essentially convince Ernest not to flip, and so he goes to Jesse Plemons' character, Tom White, and he says, "I'm not going to do it." Oh, but before that, sorry, he gets so he gets out. The feds are all surrounding the house. He's home with Molly and. Molly at this point is looking at him and she still embraces him when he gets done with the the court scene. But you can tell again with her eyes, she's like not quite believing it because yeah. now she's better. And who is giving me the insulin shots? Like Tom said, it's that it was Ernest was pretty much the one in charge of it. And here I am getting poisoned. And so she talks to him and, and she says at this dinner table, like their last time together, she says, were you, was there more than insulin? Were you and and Ernest says, no, it was just insulin. And she knows that's a lie. Like, that's no way around it. That's a lie. So she can't trust him. He's betrayed her. And uh, that's that. But but he tells her, like, I'm going to be uh, – this is a little out of order, but that's basically the main end of their relationship. But yeah. uh, he turns himself into Tom White, and he, he says, I'm not going to testify. He goes to jail. He has that scene with De Niro in the jail cell that we talked about. And essentially, something in his head – changes right like he just realizes that it's not right what he's been doing and, and all these mur- like does he have any specific thing that triggers a change of heart i don't I can't remember i don't remember one and i don't think anyone really knows i think yeah. that that's one of the that yeah. that might be the biggest mystery is what change that made him decide to testify yeah i i don't know but he does and that's the linchpin that puts them in jail, especially at a time when it's oh, really his hard daughter to get dies. Their, their youngest daughter dies. And I do think that yeah. has some kind of an effect on his, I think yeah. with all the killing and death that's happened when his, when his daughter is killed, I think that changes something in him where like, he feels like he wasn't there to help her or look how horrible it is when someone you actually care about dies. But that did yeah. strike a chord with him in one way or another. But but he then ends up saying, like, okay, I am going to testify. And he tells Hale. Hale says, don't do it, blah, blah, blah. But he does. And uh, he testifies. And they Hale goes to jail. And then I think Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> wow, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Ernest does. does, is incarcerated, right? Even though he turns, he doesn't get the immunity he was once promised. Like, I think I, – well, I don't know that they ever promised him immunity. Like, you know, like a lot of times you just get lesser time, right? Like it's like, well, we Lesser, we okay. Yeah, so I don't think he was ever promised immunity. I think it was more just like, well, instead of going to jail for life, 
you'll go to jail for 10 years or something like that. So he still ends up in jail. Yeah. And yeah. So I like the ending of the movie, the frame and sequency of the old time radio show. And I think that that's a great way to give people like the postscript. I thought Scorsese reading the last part was a little little cheesy, but I I did like getting the wrap up in the old time radio show. It just shows you people's fascination with, with true crime. Yeah. For, has is not was not invented by podcasting, yes, and um, and I'm trying to remember right. what it said. It might have even been the show I was talking about, that G Man show, where it was like the third episode or whatever. It might this might have been that, but um, I think my favorite part, favorite is harsh, but my favorite part of that particular sequence, the old time radio, is when the white guy reads the Indian dialogue. Because I'm like, I was I was glad they didn't yeah. make the concession yeah. to modern times because that's exactly what it would have been. And it was brutal to watch. And I think it was I think it made it was important for people to see it. Like when people talk about why can't this actor do this or why can't that actor do this? When you when when you see it actually happen within a movie that's not doing it, it was jarring in a in a good way. Yeah, like you don't really to put it in perspective at least for me like you don't see hank azaria voicing a poo when you see a poo in the simpsons right um, i think to watch him voice would be very different and uncomfortable so sometimes you don't really understand it until you see it and you're right it is very uncomfortable and it should be and that's exactly how it would have played out so you're right but but i really like what they were saying because Scorsese is not innocent of this too, because even though this story is important and needs to be told and everything, but the fact is that more people are interested in things that have to do with murder and and mysteries and crime and all that. And it's, it's like, we're all guilty of it to some extent. And that's one reason why a lot of people are going to see this movie is because it is kind of a, crime thriller mystery mm-hmm. and and like you said it's been going on since these old-timey radio days that people's fascination in this and so um i i do like it it was a good framing sequence i don't know how you would have ended it better uh it gave you the the exposition or the details of it while keeping it in a somewhat um interesting cinematic style yeah because uh, just yeah, blocks was, was of good. text of like this yeah. is what happened to this person this that would it right. would have been way too much it would have been overwhelming so but overall i, re- exactly. I really like this it was movie clever. yeah yeah, it was, and I I really yeah, liked this movie. I I, I, th- I, th- I thought it was really good. Like it's, I I agree that I don't think it's it quite a good. masterpiece, but it was definitely good. Yeah, I think some of the performances hold it back. I think the look of it, to an extent, holds it back. I think the runtime, again, it was long. It did not feel boring, but I do think some things could have been cut to where this would have been a three-hour movie. I really don't. But at the end of the day, you know, it's Scorsese. He's getting up there. He gets to make the movie he wants to make, and I do think it was a very interesting story. Agreed. So, well, anyway, I guess that's it for this one. We'll go around the virtual table, and <laughs> we'll tell each other where to find each other. <laughs> <laughs> sure. This is Kevin. You can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And the second episode is mentioned last week of Circle of Wizards, which is myself and Matt F. Bosler. We talk about video games, retro, old school games, some new stuff, too. So check that out. And if you could subscribe and rate that show, you know, as it's small, that will help it grow tremendously. So thanks for listening to that. 
And uh, this time you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, don't forget our Patreon. So anyway, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Arnold's fireworks start the fire. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already warned you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.